Good morning and welcome to worship this morning. It is good to see you. I don't know what your life is like, but time has gone porous for me. So I'm marking days with specific events like this one. And set an alarm so I wouldn't miss this. Just saying. I believe Cal Lutheran to be, at its very core, a caring community. I believe it to be in our very DNA. Today, uh, we care for our brother John in the back of the room whose mom has been taken off dialysis, who is headed into hospice care. I suspect he'll be traveling to uh, Colorado soon. We care. Today, our president, Chris Kimball, Vice President Regina Biddings-Murrow and Senior Director of Alumni and Family Relations, uh, Rachel Ronning Lindgren, are attending the funeral of uh, Sergeant Hellas, killed at Borderline. His son graduated from CLU in 2016. We remember and we care. On Saturday at 2 p.m. in this building, Samuelson Chapel, will be the funeral for Justin Meek. 2 o'clock, Samuelson Chapel. We remember and we care. On a different note of remembering and caring, I want to have you join me in thanking two important individuals who have been invited into this community, who have served us well, and whose time with us is now ending. And that would be Stephen and Vincent. Please stand. Uh, these two individuals have done their field service work among us. They are valued assets to this community. We thank you. Round of applause. Today's reading is from 2 Kings, chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. One day the widow of one of the Lord's prophets said to Elisha, You know that before my husband died, he was a follower of yours and a worshiper of the Lord. But he owed a man some money, and now that man is on his way to take my two sons as his slaves. Maybe there's something I can do to help, Elisha said. What do you have in your house? Sir, I have nothing but a small bottle of olive oil. Elisha told her, Ask your neighbors for their empty jars, and after you've borrowed as many as you can, go home and shut the door behind you and your sons. Then begin, begin filling the jars with oil and set each one aside as you fill it. The woman left. Later, when she and her sons were back inside their house, the two sons brought her the jars and she began filling them. At last, she said to one of her sons, bring me another jar. We don't have any more, he answered, and the oil stopped flowing from the small bottle. After she told Elisha what had happened, he said, sell the oil and use part of the money to pay what you owe the man. You and your sons can live on what is left. Here ends the reading. Thanks be to God. Good morning. 
This past week has been a heart-wrenching time, and I had the immediate response that most of you had. I felt unsafe and afraid. Be not afraid. That is the year for this, I mean, that's the theme for this year's chapel. <laughs> yeah, what a theme for my first year here at CLU. Actually, it's my first 13 days as an ordained minister, because tomorrow will be two weeks. And all of us who are new to this city and campus, it's a really hard theme to swallow. The comfort dogs, I hear, are leaving soon, although I have a dog and I can totally bring it if you guys need it. And there's a lot of work to do, processing and reflecting what's going to be done. We all have classes, we have school, we have houses to reoccupy if we've been evacuated. And for some of us, we have kids at home. Because, yeah, they decided to close down the school district this next two weeks and shut everything down. Chaos. How do we find comfort in chaos? How do we comfort one another and hold space for one another so that we can all grieve and move forward? I mean, there's only so much pizza and cookies that a person can eat. No. So the past few days, as I thought about comfort in chaos, I kept coming back to something that has brought me a lot of comfort over the years, and it's something only a handful of people know about me, because honestly, it's embarrassing. And it's not something I like to talk about. It's actually one of the things that I knew as a pastor I'd have to share someday, but I thought it would be when I was an old seasoned pastor and I had all this experience under my belt. But no, we're gonna do it in my first 13 days. Because since I'm raw and completely exposed and the theme is be not afraid, I've just decided to go ahead and lay it all out there and share it with you guys. All right, the thing that brings me the most comfort is Toilet paper. Yep. Now I know <laughs> I want to tell you why, because I'm sure your imaginations are running wild. Yeah, Jessica. Uh, but I want to tell you why toilet paper is so special at our house, okay? And here's the story. I was married really young. I was married before I had finished a college education and I had little experience in the workforce and no money. Don't worry, you guys, this is not a lecture on finishing your degree in higher education, although you totally should. My husband and I would often find ourselves without any money. And once we had finished paying the rent and the utilities and getting gas in the car, in those early years, we actually lived off of ramen. How many people here eat a lot of ramen? So many things you can do with it. Yeah, well, that's the way we coped because we were poor and we were young and we were in love. And when you're young and in love, well, things tend to happen. And then we found ourselves being parents, young parents. We had two little girls on our hands and we barely had enough money for anything at all. And guess what? You can't feed kids just ramen. You actually have to give them vegetables. So the thing that we were always lacking in the house was, you guessed it, toilet paper. 
It was the thing that always we ran out of, and this is the embarrassing part, one that I don't like to share. I'm ashamed to say that we had to come up with creative ways of dealing with it. And so we would actually steal toilet paper. We'd go to gas stations, public bathrooms in the park, church, friends' houses, <laughs> anywhere we could think of, and we would keep the cardboard roll and just roll on fresh toilet paper. I know, it's shocking, I know. To use in our house, and you know what? It was so depressing. It made me feel really bad about myself, and it made me feel bad as a parent, and as a woman, and as an adult. Because I couldn't provide this one thing, this basic thing for my kids, or even for myself. And the worst of it was that I felt like I couldn't even share it with my community a basic thing. I couldn't bring myself to tell anyone that we were struggling like this and my inability to be vulnerable and honest with where I was at shut me off in ways from my community that I can't even express because they didn't know my struggle and I wasn't going to let them know because I was ashamed. Shame and fear and it led to a big ball of mess. Well, as the years went on, we found ourselves doing pretty well financially, sometimes, and not so good other times. And there came a time when we were not doing that great, and that time was in Alaska. My husband had grown up there, and this was a tiny town, a really small town. Think CLU, that's the whole town, okay? And we ran out of toilet paper, but it was embarrassing, and we didn't have enough, and so we hid it really well, because we're really well-educated, and we look pretty good. And I told my husband how unsettled I felt whenever I walked into the bathroom and I saw this short supply. So he did what any loving husband would do whenever he got paid. He would buy a ton of it. I mean, a ridiculous amount. There would be these towers when you walked in that looked like Christmas trees right behind the toilet. It was awesome. And I know it's crazy, but this small visual brought me a lot of peace. And it was bountiful, hospitable, and kind. And it made me feel taken care of, unforgotten, and completely seen. It was a basic need in my life, and he filled it. Three years ago, I became a widow. It was an unexpected death and accident, and one that has both shaken and helped to form my faith. One of the most tangible things that I can remember from experience, the feeling that came over me that day was that God was silent, and it was a deafening silence in my despair, and I felt completely un alone and unable to take care of my children to offer them comfort or words of encouragement to help them to grow in their faith. I didn't know that I would ever feel normal again. I felt as though I couldn't do the simple things like eating or sleeping or even feeding the kids. And in those first days after the accident, there were times that I couldn't even think about the next five minutes because I just get lost in this fog. I was devastated. All my hopes for the future and my dreams included him, and he was gone. 
I had to help refocus, and I just focused on the immediate, and I had to take each moment for what it was. This kind of existence, it shakes you to the core. It was during this time that many from the church and clergy members and friends, they'd come to visit and they'd offer me their time, their silence, their prayers and their presence. They held space. I thought for certain that I would never regain myself again, that God had simply abandoned me and that I would be best to abandon any idea that I would ever be a pastor. Because who would want a pastor that doubted so much? It was during this time of reflection that I actually um, came across this story. The story of 2 Kings, of the widow and Elisha. Because a good supply of oil was a sign of stability and prosperity for a family. And for this widow to miraculously receive an endless supply of oil that could no longer be gathered in her jars meant that she would be taken care of and that her status in her community would be completely whole, that she would not go hungry, she'd be able to take care of her children, and she was not left forgotten, even though her husband died. A community of individuals that surrounded, visited, and prayed with me in those early days, gosh, they were like an endless supply of oil for me and the kids. They visited me, they sent cards, they made meals, they phoned, and they even spent evenings with us playing games. They surrounded me with their love, and they reminded me of what it is to be called community. They filled the empty vessel of my heart with their love. So, how do I find comfort in the midst of chaos? My friends, it is in community. And I know it has been repeated. You have heard this over and over, even in the past few days. But being part of community is taking part in giving and receiving. Sometimes we're like the widow who has to look for the jars to actually fill. And sometimes we're the neighbors and we can actually give. I think that we've felt this the past few days. Some of us aren't able to continue with regular life. And some of us, although we struggle, can and do. This is normal. Some of us can give and some of us can receive, and this is community. Is it easy? No! Giving and receiving is a holy act because it's an act of hospitality. And hospitality is a language that crosses many boundaries. Hospitality is the language of many faiths, of cultures, of socioeconomic classes. By being hospitable to one another during this time, we actually hold space. Holding space for someone is an act of community because it is a sacred offering. And in times of grieving, it's important that we do this for one another because we're giving someone the room 
to have whatever experience they are having. Do we try to fix it? We cannot. Do we try to hurry it along? We cannot. Do we use the space to impose our own beliefs? We cannot. You don't judge, you don't criticize, you're hospitable and you make room and you sit. Easy. No. Sometimes sitting is the hardest thing to do. And what I'm talking about here is even harder because I'm asking you to do it. All of you in community. And it's hard because we're all grieving. We are all grieving. Yes, it's in community and hospitality that true comfort is found. And you know what? I hate being uncomfortable. I've never been very good at it. I've had a hard time telling people what I need, when I need space, and when I don't, how I'm feeling. It took me a long time. It took me, you guys, 10 years, 10 years to be clear with my husband, who I was with a lot, and tell him that I was uneasy when we didn't have any toilet paper. It took a lot to share of myself when he died. Because sharing and holding space, giving and receiving is hard work. But it is holy work. And I know that you can do it. It's a long, hard road, and I would not want anyone to walk it. And I certainly did not choose to walk this road with you. But I'm here to walk with you, to give and to receive in community. So let's do it together. One day, in those early years of grieving, I went to the bathroom and I found something that broke me because it's always the tiniest little things that will break you. The basket of toilet paper that was in the bathroom, there was one roll. One roll. I was pissed. Oh, I'm sorry. I was angry. <laughs> I did so good. All right. I was angry. Sorry. And I came out to the living room. And near the front door, there was this pile of food and cards and toys and supplies that had been brought over by my whole community. And that day, among it all, do you know what there was? There was a tower of toilet paper. What? I have never told a soul this story. I'm telling you. Because what I needed to receive in that moment was there. God knew it, and somehow my community knew it too. Beloved, let us hold space for one another. Let us be good givers, and let us be good receivers, and let us not ever run out of toilet paper.
spirit of gentleness, breath of renewal. Bring us together in hope, healing, and action. Lead us to reach out to one another in comfort. Hold us in our unity as we hold one another with gentleness. Remind us to care for ourselves and for one another today and in all the days to come. Amen. Together we sing hymn number 793. Go now in the comfort and peace of the one who gave birth to us. Go in the assurance that the Comforter is with us always. Go to give comfort and peace to others. Divine wisdom, guide us as we go forth on the path of peace. May we find joy in sharing ourselves with others. May wisdom empower us to engage our world. Amen. And brothers and sisters, I invite you now to share a sign of God's peace with all those around you. <laughs> 